Welcome to the ongoing story of the Bible, Season 9. The time is now around 470 BC. As predicted by God's prophets, the great empire of Babylon falls after 70 years. Now the forces of Media and Persia govern in the region. In the first year of his reign, King Cyrus, meaning throne or light the sun, issues a decree throughout his empire. He fulfills a 180-year-old prophecy. He says that the God of heaven has given him the responsibility for building his temple in Jerusalem. Hebrew exiles may return home and they should ask their neighbors to provide silver and gold. Now Cyrus returns the temple bowls and cups which Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem. So around 40,000 Hebrew exiles decide to make the 500-mile journey home to Israel. The Persian authorities appoint a governor, a royal descendant and ancestor of King David, Zerubbabel. Under Zerubbabel's leadership, the people start to rebuild the temple. But local Samaritans, the people Persia has placed in Egypt to repopulate it, ask to get involved with the rebuilding project. But the Jewish priests say that they don't need their help. So the Samaritans write to the Persian authorities. They suggest that, based on Jewish history, the resettlers are planning a rebellion. Now building work stops for 16 years. Episode 1, From Persia with Love. The Persian Empire is now three generations strong. The third Persian king since King Cyrus, King Darius I of Persia, is governing. The governing of Persian opposes the Jewish rebuild of the temple in Jerusalem right to the new King Darius. He commissions a new investigation and King Cyrus's original authorization for the temple rebuild is found. The document even includes details such as the temple measurements. So 18 years after building work stopped, King Darius reauthorizes the temple construction. He provides finance and materials and asks the Hebrew priests to pray to God on his behalf. King Darius's instructions also detail the provision of sacrifice animals and other sundry items. He further decrees that any opposers to the build will have their homes destroyed and meet a painful end. The temple's completion sees the beginning of a 70-week clock, according to the visions that Daniel had. Four years later, 80 years after the Hebrew exile to Babylon, the rebuild is complete. The new temple is smaller than Solomon's first temple, and God's Ark of the Covenant is missing. The dedication of the new Templar is simpler than that of King Solomon's, and this time God's presence doesn't fill it like a cloud. But now the people celebrate Passover for the first time in Jerusalem since the exile. A fourth Persian king since King Cyrus is now appointed in Babylon. Persia's second king Darius dies, and his son, Ahasuerus, meaning lion king or venerable father, takes the throne. In the capital city of Susa, he hosts a 180-day gathering for the leaders of his empire's 127 countries. Ahasuerus summons his queen Vashti, meaning excellent woman, to display the royal crown, but she refuses. So, on the advice of his council, the king banishes Vashti so she never sees him again. With the party over and the queen banished, or probably executed, King Ahasuerus becomes depressed. 
His royal advisers suggest he holds a competition where he will be the judge. The winner of the competition will become his new queen. So royal messengers are sent to spread word throughout the empire. News reaches a man called Mordecai, meaning Marduk, a Persian god, who has a niece and ward. She is an orphan called Hadassah, meaning myrtle tree, a sign of peace, of thanksgiving. She enters the competition, but Mordecai instructs her to conceal her nationality for her safety. So Hadassah takes a Persian name, Esther, meaning Ishtar, a fertility goddess, the same as the word Easter. Esther enters the competition and begins a year of beauty treatments inside Persia's royal courts. The chief eunuch in charge of proceedings favours Esther above the other entrants. Meanwhile, Mordecai makes regular visits outside the palace so he can get news of his niece. After her year's preparation, Esther takes the chief eunuch's advice on what to wear for her audition and she spends a night with King Ahasuerus. He likes her more than all the other women, and so Esther is crowned Queen of Persia. Now Mordecai gets a job inside the palace and overhears two eunuchs plotting to kill the king. He gets a warning to Ahasuerus, and thanks to Mordecai, the king's life is saved. The details of the assassination attempt and the king's saviour are recorded in the royal diary. Now, a man named Haman, meaning magnificent, becomes Persia's prime minister. He is a descendant from the Agagite clan, one of the Hebrew people's ancient enemies. King Ahasuerus orders all officials to bow to Haman, but because of his belief in God, Mordecai refuses. Haman learns that Mordecai is a Jew and decides to sort the Hebrew problem permanently. He presents a plan to the king saying that for the sake of the empire, a certain people need to be annihilated. Haman promises King Ahasuerus this will bring wealth for the royal treasury, lots of silver. So the king agrees and appoints Haman to the task, giving him his royal ring to seal and authorise a royal decree. Now Haman casts lots. Purim, a divining lucky dice, to choose the day for his annihilation plan. When the day is divined, Haman has the decree translated and couriers deliver it to every corner of the empire. The official document says that on the 13th day of Adar, which is in February or March, all the Jews are to be killed. You can read these stories in the Book of Esther. Rather than view a tribal reference as a racial context, you can look at the family DNA. How was that family established, which can enlarge on a character's motives? It's a bit like listening to a global news story if you don't appreciate a country's history. Its conflicts and its past give greater context of the story. If the context is not given, the true story is lost. And there are always characters who stand out from their tribal DNA. The story is interwoven. Track back the roots to see its beginnings and look forward to see its conclusions. Listen in for the next instalment of the ongoing Bible story. These podcasts, called Full Circle, are based on the author's best knowledge at the time of production. They have been created from the Bible texts commentaries and historical studies. The Bible is God's living word. 
and its story and learning is unfolding and ongoing. Thanks to Bible translators, some of whom gave their lives to give us its words, you can delve into its pages and start your own journey of discovery today.